Today on Ag News Daily. Based on the swine density around it, based on the information the grower gives us, we then recommend what efficiency of air filtration you need. We got efficiencies that go anywhere from uh, single digits to double digits. Good afternoon and happy Tech Tuesday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell. Delaney, not much going on in my neck of the woods today. What about you? A little bit of a slow day uh, news-wise and just overall for me as well, Ashton. And I don't know if I sound a little weird or anything to you, Delaney, but I'm currently sitting in my bedroom closet because the people who come and take care of the landscaping at my apartment complex, it seems that they always come at the times when we're recording. So I'm just sitting on the floor of my bedroom. So I think that that's probably the most exciting thing that's been going on for me today. (laughs) Well, uh, I don't even have anything I can make up that's exciting today. Hmm. I got nothing other. Yeah. I mean, yesterday we had the big news about the network partnering with Meredith. I got to meet some of the folks yesterday at Meredith. That was about the most exciting thing that happened in my day. But other uh, than that, a little bit of slow, a little, little slow for me today. But I appreciate that because it seems like markets have been crazy. Life's been crazy lately. So I appreciate the slower days. That's for sure. I definitely feel you there, Delaney. Kind of a lull in life today, but I'm right there with you. It's okay by me. I feel like I've been going, going, going. So it's nice to finally get a little bit of a break. But some folks who aren't pumping the brakes is National Pork Producers Council, as they are urging in official comments to the California Ag Department, a delay in the implementation of Proposition 12 to kind of go over that once more, the department's proposed rules for the Prevention of Cruelty to Farm Animals Act would ban the sale in California of, quote, whole pork meat products derived from animals not raised under its new space requirements that NPPC is calling arbitrary. NPPC says the regulations would create a huge burden and economic harm for all hog farms and the entire pork chain across the country. An NPPC lawsuit is pending before the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, so they are all gas, no breaks, it sounds like. Yeah, I saw that little piece of news as well, and it sounds like they're also, I don't know if you saw this, Ashton, they're trying to delay implementation for two years here uh, for regulations required under the Prop 12. So it sounds like January of 2020, (coughs) sorry, January of 2023 is when they're looking to push that, uh, kick that can down the lane, so to speak. I did not see that timeline, so I'm glad you pointed that out, Delaney. I wonder why it's two years specifically, but you know, I I would hope that we just don't get to see any of this implementation at all, but I think that that's uh, really just looking too optimistically because I honestly don't know if that will happen. I don't know either. We'll we'll continue to watch that. Um, I don't know that a lot of other states will follow suit. The, really, the most difficult thing is that a lot of states will be able to do business necessarily with uh, California if they don't follow along, I think, some of those regulations. So may not be a huge impact to the market, but it could be. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to keep watching that one and see. But one thing that has been impacting the markets pretty substantially has been, of course, weather and the crop progress reports. We got that out yesterday afternoon at... 
three o'clock and saw overall corn conditions up slightly and more specifically, more notably gains in South Dakota, Iowa and Michigan. So Overall, we saw nationwide the corn crop in good to excellent condition rated 65%, up just 1% since the previous week. And current rating is the same as this time in 2017. We also saw ratings in South Dakota, Iowa, and Michigan slightly won out over declines in Nebraska, Kansas, Illinois, and Colorado. Corn silking was estimated to be at 26%. Uh, The same as last year, but four percentage points behind the five-year average. Meanwhile, soybeans, their conditions held steady at 59% in good to excellent condition. But notably, that's the third lowest rating in 12 years. So we're continuing to push and pull there on the crop side of things. I'm curious, Ash, and we'll have to post this on our Facebook and Twitter page. I'm curious to see how folks are anticipating their crop to turn out this year. Are you expecting average, worse than average, or above average yields? I know soybean side of things, it's a little early to maybe have those guesses. But on the corn side of things, I would anticipate that growers probably are pretty in tune with what they anticipate to see this year. So I'm curious to see. We'll have to put out a Twitter poll, Ashton. I will get right on that because I am also wanting to know how things are going. I want to be a little bit surprised. I want things to be going good. Obviously, I think all producers and folks who support the ag industry want things to be going good. But of course, drought has been a big impact in some of these key producing states. And uh, this next piece of news kind of has to do with some of that drought impact as the USDA is authorizing emergency procedures to help producers in impacted by extreme drought conditions. USDA's RMA is working with crop insurance companies to streamline and accelerate the adjustment of losses and issuance of indemnity payments to crop insurance policyholders in impacted areas. These new crop insurance flexibilities are part of USDA's broader response to help producers impacted by drought, particularly in the West, Northern Great Plains, the Caribbean, and other key areas. These new flexibilities are going to help reduce burdens on both insurance companies and producers to help mitigate drought effects. The USDA is suggesting that producers should contact their crop insurance agent as soon as they notice damage. The insurance company must have an opportunity to, of course, inspect the crop before the producer gets their crop acres to another use. If the company cannot make an accurate appraisal or the producer disagrees with the appraisal at the time, the acreage is to be destroyed or no longer cared for. The insurance company and producer can determine representative sample areas to be left intact and maintained for future appraisal purposes. Once an insured crop has been appraised and released or representative strips have been authorized for later appraisal, the producer may cut the crop for silage, destroy it, or take other action on the land, including planting a cover crop. Additional information on these emergency procedures is available on RMA's Crop Insurance and a Drought Damaged Crop website. So folks, if you are part of these areas that are experiencing extreme drought and you have damaged crop, I would definitely look into this. It certainly sounds that way, Ashton. And uh, outside of that, I don't have a whole lot of news from the U.S. perspective. What about you? I have one other piece of news here. I figured I'd let you say any more if you had any. 
Yeah, I just have one other thing, again, coming from USDA, again, talking about some losses, but this time concerning livestock and poultry producers who suffered losses during the pandemic due to insufficient access to processing. These producers can apply for assistance for those losses and the cost of depopulation and disposal of the animals. USDA Secretary Vilsack announced the Pandemic Livestock Indemnity Program, or PLIP, at the National Pork Industry Conference in Wisconsin. And I think it's important to note that he did announce that at the Pork Industry Conference because pork producers are expected to be the primary recipients of this assistance. The Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021 authorized payments to producers for losses of livestock or poultry depopulated from March 1st, 2020 through December 26th, 2020 due to insufficient processing access as a result of the pandemic. PLIP payments will be based on 80% of the fair market value of the livestock and poultry and for the cost of depopulation and disposal of the animal. Eligible livestock and poultry, of course, include swine, chickens, and turkeys. But like I said, pork producers are expected to be the primary recipients of this assistance. And why that is, I can't give you a definite answer or anything like that. But these producers can apply for assistance through USDA's FSA on starting July 20th through September 17th, 2021. So folks, that is just a week exactly from today. So if you are a producer out there who had some losses, I would definitely be getting with my FSA agent pronto. It certainly sounds that way, Ashley. We got a lot of looming deadlines here, but I just wanted to bring this other quick piece of news up to our listeners' attention here before we hop into the markets, which have no deadlines, how they trade. And that is a piece of news here coming out of China. As they're continuing to try and rebuild that hog herd, China's decided to ease some environmental regulations for their small hog farmers in efforts to boost production. This was reported by Reuters on Monday, citing the Agricultural Ministry as their source. But apparently small hog farmers will no longer be required to obtain environmental approval from the Chinese government before they're allowed to breed hogs, which should reduce costs for uh, hog farmers there and encourage production overall as they're still continuing to battle, of course, uh, African swine fever. Apparently, they are saying that for hog breeding projects with an annual output of less than 5,000 hogs, the environmental impact registration shall be waived for these folks. So we'll continue to see how that impacts their herd there domestically. In June, you know, we saw pork prices plummet 36.5%. So they are really trying to flood the market with product and to some extent, Hopefully that is helping them there, but they are still continuing to purchase U.S. pork and beef. So that's good news for American producers. But at some point, I'm sure we may see those uh, exports not come to a halt, but definitely slow down some. I don't think we're there yet, but this new piece of not legislation, deregulation really, is to try and incentivize that. But Ashton, other than markets, I don't have a whole lot of other news today. What about you? I'm all out. Fantastic. Well, let's chat markets today. And yesterday, of course, we had the WASDE report. We saw markets uh, reacting pretty favorably to that. Today, however, we continued right along with it. And uh, markets have decided, hey, 
we liked yesterday's report. Wasn't bearish, wasn't bullish, but uh, markets see comfortable right now trading at these current levels. And they traded again higher today. I will also note here quickly that uh, Minneapolis wheat put in some fresh highs in the September contract. We saw them trade to fresh eight-year highs today. Otherwise, the rest of the wheat complex had some red on the screen. But kicking things off here first in the corn contract. September today closed five and three-quarter cents higher to close at 5.51. The D's up eight and a half cents to close at 5.41 and a half. Soybeans today, the July contract up five and a half, excuse me, the August contract up eight and three quarters cents to close at 14.13. The November up three quarters of a cent to close at 13.51. And as I mentioned there, wheat uh, across the complex besides spring wheat today was lower. Let's talk spring wheat though, since they did have some green on the screen. The September contract up four and three quarters cents today to close at 8.62. The D's up two and three quarters to close at 8.46 and a quarter. Now hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets today. The August live cattle contract up $1.92 and a half to close at $121.75. The October up $1.37 and a half to close at $127.15. And in feeder cattle, we saw that strength continue as the August contract added 67 and a half cents to close at $158.82 and a half. The September up 62 and a half to close at $161.62 and a half. And in lean hogs today, the August contract adding $1.85 to close at $105.92 and a half. The October up $2.05 and Tickles at 93.37 and a half. And wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures. August today closed 23 cents higher to end at 18.08. The September up 32 cents to close at 18.35. Ashton, remind us who are we chatting with for today's hashtag Tech Tuesday interview? Well, Delaney, we are talking to Carlos Laura of AAF International. Well, today I have it with me, Carlos Laura, who is the Global Director of Marketing Strategy of Animal Science at AAF Flanders. Carlos, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So, Carlos, before we get started talking about air filtration and the technologies that are at AAF Flanders, let's hear a little bit more about your background. Because before we got started recording here, you were telling me, I mean, pretty much that you're one of the uh, forefathers for air filtration when it comes to swine and poultry management. Yes, uh, and air filtration. I was lucky to be in the right corner at the right time when we started dealing with uh, finding ways to solve or help solve the situation with the PERS virus, uh, which every year uh, hits the industry and costs hundreds and hundreds of millions. So sometime by 2006, we co-developed some of the filtration technology and installed it in Asia and Europe, and we were able to control PERS in those uh, parts of the world. Then more actively in 2008, along with the Swine Disease Eradication Center of the University of Minnesota, we then was when we, I would say, perfected the, the technology and started filtering as many sow units and boar units in America as possible. Air filtration is uh, perhaps one of the most effective mechanical ways of keeping the first virus out. It's been proven. Uh, like I said, probably 1.2, 1.3 million sows are under filtration currently in America, and probably another million sows around the world. 
Uh, it's not an inexpensive method, uh, and it takes a lot of work, but it actually works very well. And uh, as technology advances, we're being able to offer better products, enhanced technology that will give you four, five, six years of protection, and hopefully reduce those costs as we can. So let's get into AAF Flanders here. I mean, you guys have been in business for 100, I think over 100 years or right at 100 years. Actually, we're celebrating that here in 2021. So what are some of the advancements that we have seen when it comes to air filtration? Thank you. So AAF, American Air Filter Flanders, like you said, it's been around for 100 years. Uh, our filters are everywhere from the first uh, uh, space uh and therefore, to the moon, to a space station today, like I said, we're the leader in the world in air filtration technology and sales. Uh, uh, and uh, we have companies in over 20 countries and around the world in plants, manufacturing facilities. Uh, we uh, pioneer technologies like uh, bioterrorism vessels for embassies and mi micro labs. We uh, definitely pioneered the swine and poultry industry. And uh, being owned by Daikin Corporation, which is one of the world's largest air conditioning HVAC companies, uh, allows us to have access to the latest technology and chemical and media and air filtration. For example, we patented and developed our own uh, PTFE technology, which is a media, filter media made out of Teflon. It's our own media, and we are the only company that offers it worldwide. So let's get started talking about the way that this technology works, because it's not just air filtration. I mean, this is, like you said before we started recording here, just one of the boxes that needs to be ticked when it comes to biosecurity. Yes, air filtration is one of the links of the complete biosecurity chain. And air filtration works very well as long as the rest of the links of the biosecurity chain do work. So we are very adamant when we start projects, new projects with new customers, that they do implement and enforce a complete chain of biosecurity. Sometimes implementing is easy. Enforcing for long term is not easy. We're humans. We forget. We get busy. So we are part of that. But once you have it in place, air filtration will keep you clean and out of pairs for years in a row, again, if you enforce the rest of the biosecurity um, aspects. That's fantastic. And I think it, I mean, it is important to note that this isn't the end all be all. It's just, you know, one of the things that producers really should take into consideration when we're talking about PERS and biosecurity. But let's really take a deep dive into these air filters. How exactly um, can producers implement them onto their farms? Let's talk a little bit more about that technology there. So, um, Let's say in America, pretty much everywhere around the world, there are expansions, retrofit, and there is new construction. So either way, we work from day one from the, with engineers and architects and, and builders, contractors, in the design of the sites, whether it's expansion and new construction. We work hand by hand with the ventilation calculation because, of course, when you install the air filters, it's directly related to the ventilation and welfare of the unit, the animals inside. So once we do that, we then, based on the surroundings, based on the 
swine density around it based on the information the grower gives us, we then recommend what efficiency of air filtration you need. We got efficiencies that go anywhere from uh, single digits to double digits and the 16 and even HEPA, which is what we sell for the hospitals and surgery rooms around the world. So the industry is pretty much, uh, sow units are pretty much a MRF 15, which is about uh, low 90% of efficiency and viral efficacy. And MRF 16 for borstal units, which is about 95 to 97% efficiency. Uh, and again, it varies, but depends on the, what type of uh, filter media you have on your product. So uh, once we design and we define what filter and what type of media they need on one type of filter, then we collaborate with the construction with the builder. In the installation, we do manufacture and, and develop and manufacture the accessories, the frames, the housings, the attic accessories that you need, or filter bank accessories that you need to install the filters. And then thoroughly train our growers and our customers to maintain and properly make sure that the product does work and is constantly offering you the right airflow, but most importantly, the right viral efficacy, viral protection. Uh, we do own uh, one of the few level three laboratories in the United States, along with the University of Minnesota, where growers, customers or not, can send us their old used filters or currently used filters, and we put them through a rigorous test for airflow and viral efficacy, because many times uh, your filter works, looks good, the airflow is fantastic, but it's not stopping the virus. Keep in mind, no filter is designed to actually stop the virus. Viruses are very small, and they don't fly. They don't transport by themselves. They stick to, my, to flying particles and then go from A to B. It's known to go six to seven miles airborne. So we designed the filtration to stop the particles. So when you send us your old or your, your current filters to test, we will let you know within a few days don't worry, you still have a few years to go, or watch out, you need to replace your filters, or whatever the situation is. Also sometimes, and actually often, we send filters to the University of Minnesota, where they also help us decide what situation, what's going on, why certain farm, even though it's filter, is seeing more breaks, or the surroundings, sometimes we have to go up and increase the filter efficiency and viral efficacy to go from MER 14, 15 to 16. In fact, what we're doing now and, uh, and with Daikin is we're currently implementing filtered HVAC systems into the swine industry. So we're air conditioning swine units, which offers you a complete uh, uh, antimicrobial or complete biosecurity envelope protection against all types of viruses. I mean, and this sounds like quite the investment. I mean, you're, but you're constantly working with these producers that do incorporate the air filtration systems that you guys have. So about how long would you say from start to finish from, you know, somebody approaching you about doing this to actually getting everything really where it needs to be? How long does that t typically take? Uh, so to your first point, we do have, of course, uh, thousands of SKUs being a large filtration company. But these filters that we offer to the swine industry are industry-specific because these filters, like surgery room filters, have to be a lot more biosecure. So not only does the media have to be biosecure, 
The actual filter construction have to be 100% biosecure. Otherwise, air and water take the path of least resistance. So a minuscule, a very small pinhole that you can only see with a microscope could become a huge source of unfiltered air that would certainly bring a virus and get your uh, make your site break. So we uh, have designed over the years a specific line for swine and poultry, uh, which we only sell to the industry. And as technology advances, we've been able to come down in cost dramatically, and we continue to work in that aspect because the industry keeps growing. The sites, especially the sow units, keep growing in density. They've gone from 24, 2800 sows to even 15,000 sows now. So that means you, it'll take a lot more ventilation, CFM, so therefore a lot more filters. So we're doing our best to keep the cost as affordable as possible to the grower as long as we do offer what they're looking for, which is total viral protection. And that's fantastic. And I mean, this stuff is, is very important and intense. And I mean, this isn't just some kind of air filter that you can pick up out at Walmart or anything. I mean, it's, it's very important. Like you said, things need to be biosecure. And for those producers who are concerned about their biosecurity and, you know, to, to what extent that they are secure, how can they get in touch with you? Thank you. <clears throat> we strongly suggest to get in touch with us or any other air filtration or veterinarian entity about this. Because like you said, this is not just a filter you can go and pick up. We manufacture hundreds or thousands of private labels to the main box stores and supermarkets and hardware stores in, in America. But this, like I said, this is a specifically built filter for the swine industry. So you can please get in touch with me at uh, aafintl.com or just contact any of the AAF Flanders locations and ask for the swine filter division and they'll come to to me uh, anytime or anyone at our team. Awesome. Well, Carlos, it's been fantastic to get a little bit to know you as well as AAF and, you know, just more about the filtration system and kind of what needs to be incorporated. And hopefully this becomes more of a trend. And, and one more thing I left out. So a lot of what we do, if not most of it, we owe it to the tremendous effort that the Swine Disease Eradication Center at the University of Minnesota continuously do. We have monthly, yearly meetings at the SDC, at the University of Minnesota, constantly working on the latest threat to the industry, the latest developments, what's going on, what virus is hitting us, down to the smallest detail. And thanks to their help, we're able to stay current and be able to offer as much of our technology and tools to help the industry as possible. Thanks again to Carlos for sitting down with us at World Pork Expo to talk about ventilation. I think it's really interesting. And the Pickaxe podcast, the most recent episode for the month of July, they talked about ventilation there and particularly in the pork industry like we did with Carlos. And a lot of connections were kind of made in my brain after, you know, doing that interview with Carlos and then listening to that podcast episode. So definitely some great stuff there. I feel it's not technically, I guess, revolutionary because, of course, ventilation is an 
issue, I guess, that we've been dealing with for a while, especially I think in the pork industry. But I think some great stuff is definitely coming and happening. But folks, if you want to listen to that Pig X podcast, or if you want to listen to any of our past Tech Tuesday episodes, you can do so on the Ag News Daily website, or I say the Ag News Daily website for us, but you can listen to it on the Global Ag Network, both of those podcasts. But with that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.